less than a day after the Bengals made the big splash with Orlando Brown, they continue bulking up in the trenches as they are making Joe Burrow's protection their main priority per usual this offseason. Welcome into another free agency edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Mike Nizek, and Andrew Gills here with you as we break down another signing from the Bengals, an external signing, we should say, the second one they've made this week, and that is Cody Ford, uh, who played one year with the Arizona Cardinals last year as a guard, backing up Kyler Murray. Uh, he signs with the Bengals on a one-year deal. Jeremy Fowler first broke the news not long before the team officially announced it on their end. Um, he's listed as a tackle uh, on the Bengals' website, but he mostly played guard for Arizona. He did play a little bit of tackle in Buffalo, where he was for three years before that, um, along with obviously playing guard. But they have him listed as a tackle. So just kind of looking at it, guys, so you have Orlando Brown, um, and it's guaranteed that he's going to be at left tackle because Albert Beer reported that the plan for the Bengals is putting Brown at left tackle putting Jonah Williams at right tackle and quote-unquote a decision will be made down the line on Lyle Collins so with uh, the signing of Cody Ford where do you think that kind of sets things up and uh, what does that mean not just for Cody Ford but what does that mean maybe for Lyle Collins at this point yeah uh, you know I I think um, it was kind of like I said last night I think they're kind of going to take a wait and see approach I think you know that was also one of the reports today that you know, they'll make a decision on Lael Collins down the line. Um, you know, if, if you can kind of get him to a point where you feel okay about him, you know, he's obviously a pretty good depth lineman to have. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that, you know, his – I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, his contract is not going to be fulfilled in Cincinnati, his three-year contract right now. Um, I think, you know, one, either this year or next year he's going to be he's going to be looking for a new team um, just with kind of the way that things have shaken out. But – you know, with the Cody Ford addition, that that to me kind of just that that just strikes of, you know, you're you're going to look at a guy who, like you said, has played guard and tackle, but that's a depth signing. You know, that's a thing where you know you're going to bring in a guy where okay, if he has to play tackle, that's fine. If he has to play guard, that's fine. Um, you know, think of a little bit like uh, you know what they did with Hakeem Adeniji. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know they're they're just kind of building options with Ford and. You know, with Lael Collins, um, we'll we'll see. I, I think if you can fit it under the cap, then then I think you absolutely hang on to him. Well, yeah, Cody Ford. I mean, I think it's just a replacement for Max Sharping, uh, yeah. probably at a better salary. Yeah. Uh, Sharping made two point five four million last year. I would hope that Cody Cody Ford got less, just based on his track record, which is. Fairly spotty over four years. Uh, I mean, I know he's played every position, left guard, right guard, uh, right tackle. Um, so, I mean, there's versatility, but also, I mean, he's not really played any of them particularly well <laughs> for a long period of time. <laughs> um, I was looking, uh, he gave up, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, 12 pressures in a game last uh, in 2021. Uh, yep. And had a pass blocking grade of 3.1, which I thought was fun. 3.1 like what's like what got him a 3.1 like was just because he signed it like shouldn't being out there just get you like a 10 just being <laughs> there it was, it was it was so that was so funny to me but um you know i think it's a sign of uh, high draft picks usually get multiple chances so this will be his third team um you know so you you think maybe if you can get him in your system with your guy your coach you can get more out of him um but you know uh certainly not a guy that you, I think you expect anything more than just being an option. Um, if somebody gets hurt, um, 
just based on his his track record uh, playing wise. Uh, he liked the versatility, but uh, he's going to need to be more consistent if he has any sort of prolonged role to see the field. Um, but I just think it's a replacement for Sharping at a better price, essentially. And I don't know that it impacts Collins at all. I, I think it's sort of separate, to be honest. So, yeah, you're, and you're right about Sharping. I, I didn't think they were going to bring him back, and so I think what we just saw only confirms that. But to go back to the Collins point, Andrew just said a second ago, of like, if you can make the cap space work, hold on to Lyell. But my question is, why hold on to him? And do you think even if they can make it work, why not save the money in that case? Like kind of the counter response, like why keep him? And then maybe why is it worth saving the cap space in your opinion, Andrew? Well, it, I mean, it, it depends. Like, it, are you are you going to use that exact money to, to go get a safety who's going to start for you? Then, then yeah, you use that money to go get a safety. But, you know, if, if you feel, you know, if you add a safety – um, you know, if you add a starting safety and you you add a, a backup tight end or a guy who's going to come in and be kind of in a rotation for you starting tight end, and then you kind of look around and say, well, we can fit the rookies in, we can fit all of this stuff in, I think I think we'll be okay. Then, then I mean, look what happened with their offensive line last year. I mean, you they were not you know, great to start the year. Uh, they did improve. I think they, you know, they kind of became average as, as the end of the year happened. Um, you saw them start to kind of get, get more reps together and start to play well together. And then in consecutive weeks, Leo Collins goes down, uh, Alex Kappa goes down. Then, um, then you lose Jonah Williams. Like you watch that offensive line kind of deteriorate slowly over time. And all of a sudden, like, if you think, uh, I mean, the jury is obviously very much still out on Cody Ford, but like, if you think that Leo Collins is an upgrade over Hakeem Adeniji or Jackson Carmen, which I think he pretty clearly is, why not? Like, if if you can have that quality of depth on your offensive line, then I'd take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah, if you were to get a safety, we actually want to talk about that in a second because uh, that's like the big position of needing out. The Bengals pretty much took care of the offensive line. But, I mean, let's say you, you do keep him and, you know, whether you get a new safety or not, it doesn't have anything to do with Collins and, you know, that money. Like, do you make him the Hakeem Adeniji where you make him the swing tackle and then Hakeem Adeniji is just a straight backup at that point to – you know, Jonah Williams, who, like we said, is probably going to move to right tackle. Like, where, where do you think he fits if, if they hold on to him and they don't make him a post-June 1st cut? Like, what do you do with him at that point? I'm sorry, I missed the question. <laughs> oh, you're fine. I was saying, like, if you hold on to Lyle Collins, you know, you, you think you can make it work and you can still get a safety, do whatever beyond that. What do you do with him? Because, like, it sounds like Jonah Williams is going to start at right tackle. Do you make him the swing tackle? So basically, like, what Hakeem Adeniji was last year. I mean, where, where does he fit in all of this? Yeah, he's your backup tackle. I mean, I think that's, you know, you wait till he gets healthy, and I think it might take some time for him to be, like, uh, in prime physical conditions, so now he gets that time, and he's your, uh, you know, like a premium backup. I mean, it's not probably what he wants, but at the same time, uh, I think it's a chance to win a Super Bowl, and uh, you know, you're really, I think, ensuring that, um, you know, if you have an an injury at tackle, you have, you know, one of the probably better backups across the league in terms of a guy with experience, guy that can play at a high level. Um, you know, we kind of criticized some of how he played last year, but as a backup, as a six offensive lineman, 
I mean, you can't do much better than that, I, I don't think. So, go. Or do you want to say something, Andrew? I was going to read the depth chart real quick. No, I, yeah, I mean, Mike pretty much echoed exactly what I was going to say. If if you can build quality depth on your offensive line, I mean, what did I mean? We talked about this for for a while after the combine. What Duke Tobin said, you know, there's there's more uh, teams that want offensive linemen than there are offensive line of offensive linemen available. So if you have the ability to kind of to build up that depth on your offensive line, you're not going to go 17 of 17 with five year starters. So. So looking at right tackle with the new deals and everything, so you have Jonah Williams as your starter, Lyle Collins behind him, you have Hakeem Adeniji as the third string, and then Deontay Smith as your fourth string right tackle. And then on the left side, it's Orlando Brown, Jackson Carmen, and Adeniji. But you also have Carmen as a backup left guard, which he was most of his rookie year and part of last year until all those injuries put him at left tackle. Where would you want to see Jackson Carmen? Because that's kind of an interesting question is, you know, he's backed up at guard, but he saw action at left tackle. Is he just your your backup left tackle? Or do you think he just, you know, he backs up at guard? Like, where would you want to put him just based on what you've seen from him in the last two years as a backup? Well, I mean, I think it kind of depends on what you're going to do in the draft. Um, so you've obviously got, uh, and, and I mean, what you're going to do, frankly, with, uh, with Leo Collins. Um, you know, cause you, you can look at your offensive line and, you know, if you want to carry 10 offensive linemen, you've got your starting five. Let's say you keep Collins. You've got Cody Ford. There's six. You're probably not going to keep like Cody Ford is kind of that tackle guard kind of mix. If you're going to keep Leo Collins and Cody Ford, I'm not sure if you're going to put another tackle on that list. I, I think you're going to go interior. You kind of you need somebody who who has reps at center. Um, you think of like a Trey Hill. So like, I, I, frankly, I mean, you kind of look at it, and depending on how the draft shakes out, you know, it's, I think it's pretty clear that you have your starting five. Um, Cody Ford's Cody Ford will be around. Let's say Leo Collins is going to be around. If you draft some guys, it's going to be a roster fight with Jackson Carmen and Hakeem Adeniji and some of the other guys that are kind of down on that list. Trey Hill, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, kind of like last year where, you know, you pretty much felt like, ah, you know, the linemen are kind of set, you know, they're going to, there's going to be a battle for left guard and that's about it. Like there's going to be some real, real serious competition uh, on, uh, on your depth. And I mean, frankly, if you're, if you're releasing guys, like if, if you have to cut Hakeem Adeniji or if you have to cut Jackson Carmen or Deontay Smith, you have guys, sure. Well, right. But like if you have to cut guys that, you know, played for you or were kind of playing in that AFC championship game is what I was trying to get to. Like, that's a pretty good place to be if you've improved that much, you know, yeah. not just in your starting quality, but in your depth as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I like what you just said there about if you have to cut guys who, you know, played in the AFC Championship, played in the Super Bowl, because, I mean, Adeniji played both, played right guard in the Super Bowl, played right tackle in last year's title game. And if you have to let him go or Deontay Smith or – I don't think they would cut him, but maybe, maybe Jackson Carmen. I mean, it's a business decision, but like you said, that means you've improved pretty well. Like, I mean, that means you're really cashed out with Orlando Brown. You got great talent with Jonah Williams and uh, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa, like the last two guys there who proved themselves last year. Cordell Vosen, who I think is going to 
maybe not have a breakout year, but he'll definitely improve on like his rookie year. And so I think that's a, a really good place to be if you're the Bengals. But, you know, you mentioned the draft, and that's kind of what I want to get to next is we were going to talk about this yesterday uh, on our initial podcast, but the Orlando Brown news changed that. But, of course, Hayden Hurst uh, is out. He is in Carolina. He's with Von Bell uh, as they both go back to the NFC South. So you don't have any tight ends in their contract except for Devin Asiasi and your practice squad reserves. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit, but I want to revisit it now that things are a little bit different with the signings. That number 28 overall pick, uh, now that your offensive line is more solidified at this point, do the Bengals just ditch the whole Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright project idea and just lean towards the tight end? Or do you even veer away from that and, like, say you go for an edge rusher or go for a corner? Like, what is that number 28 overall pick looking like after those big signings you know, in the last 24 hours? Well, I, I don't think it's changed. I think we did talk about this on the podcast that, that ended up being posted that I think you have the flexibility now. Like, if Antoine Harris is, like, your best, best player available, um, like, you take him because uh, you still then could, you know, part ways with Jonah Williams um, and and go in a different direction, um, you know, after next season. But um, you have other needs, um, and it just probably depends on what your board says. Um, you know, if uh, a mayor slips down to you, um, yeah, you take him. Or, I mean, if you have a tight end that's higher, like a Darnell Washington's a guy you really want, uh, you could take him. But I, I think they have the flexibility now. Um, I, I certainly don't think the – they will feel pressure to take a tackle in the first round. I think they'll be able to sit back and say, what do we want to do here? Um, Cause you know, they've really addressed that need for next season. Uh, and they now, you know, they do still have some holes on the roster um, that they need to fill in the draft. So you said that you could see them parting ways with Jonah Williams. You, you think that's an actual possibility if they were to go the Anton Harrison route? Well, I mean, not, not just not sign him to an extension because I mean he'll be a free agent after this year. So yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you meant like cut him before this year. I was like, no, no, I don't I, know. I, That's no, 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 no. Just the idea that you still need a future t- a tackle to uh, potentially take Jonah Williams' place because you haven't signed him to an extension, and you know I'd be I'd be frankly very surprised if they did land an extension before next season. Oh, okay, I see. I thought you meant like oh draft a. T- tackle and then part ways as in like don't keep him in 2023 and i was like well that's a 12 and a half million dollar <laughs> cap hit uh or dead cap that you're gonna have to pay so at that point you might as well just keep him but no I, I see what you mean i appreciate the clarification i figured that's what you meant but just to make sure um i, I mean yeah it really and this is kind of what i said yesterday on the podcast that wasn't a podcast is that like yeah if he slips down you're good you know, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid is there. Of course, if it's Mayer, you go over Kincaid. But if either of them are there, you go one of those guys. Uh, but even then, like, I think if you want to go for an edge rusher, because we know Trey Hendrickson's not getting any younger, um, you can do that. If you want to go for a running back and have him behind Joe Mixon, assuming Mixon is still around, which we'll talk about, hey, you know, shoot your shot. Like, And I think the, the biggest thing with that is, you know, beyond all the wins that they have with – the comfort on the offensive line. You have comfort with uh, your number 20 overall pick. We've talked about how flexible it is. Well, these signings just proved how much more flexible that pick is. So um, I think that's a triple win among many other wins, you know, for the Bengals on these free agent signings. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, the future of Joe Mixon, uh, an update on where things stand with him and his case from last week, uh, and much, much more on some other free agent signings when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast.
All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So uh, we briefly mentioned this last week. It was a week ago from today, or a little bit before that, uh, that there was a shooting that took place outside of Joe Mixon's home in Cincinnati. Uh, A few days later, uh, that being today, we're taping this on a Thursday, uh, Hamilton County prosecutor spoke, said that Mixon would be cleared. He did not fire any shots or threaten anybody, according to the prosecutor. But his sister, Shalanda, and her boyfriend uh, were both indicted uh, for their role because, according to the prosecutor, she is charged with obstruction of justice and tampering with evidence. uh, And her boyfriend is charged with felonious assault. So he is cleared. Different story for them. But, guys, now that essentially Mix's name is cleared from this case, um, and, again, this is separate from the menacing uh, charge from the month before that, does that affect his standing at all? Like, does it make his job more safe? Or do you think that's separate from, you know, where the Bengals want to go in terms of just efficiency and what they're looking for? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clearly separate. Um, you know, if the, if the team was going to move on from, from Joe Mixon, I think they would have done it already. Um, you know, we, we've talked about kind of the cap implications of, of cutting him. Uh, yeah, you have five and a half million dollars of dead money, but you save seven point two against the cap if uh, if you let him go uh, obviously those numbers kind of get more favorable after this season because um, he has this year and 2024 under contract but again you kind of just lay everything out with Mixon like if you were gonna want a little bit of extra money you know to maybe make a potential deal for Orlando Brown look more enticing or you know, bring in a Jamal Williams or something like that like you you would have wanted to move on from Mixon already so I think it's pretty clear Mixon's going to be around. Um, you know, I think to me, you've got Trevion Williams and you've got Chris Evans. Uh, you know, they brought back Trent Taylor today. Uh, you know, so to me, that just kind of says you've got your returners. You've got your returners set. You're going to let Williams and Evans kind of battle it out for that kick returning spot and that third down kind of change of pace, third running back slot that you really didn't get used a lot. And then you're going to draft a person in in the in uh, you know somewhere in the middle rounds because you know I can't imagine Bijan Robinson's there at 28. So you know if you end if you end the draft with like a Zach Charbonnet, I think that's kind of where they want to be, where you get some youth in there and you get some kind of controllable assets. Because right now Joe Mixon his contract is not exactly uh, team friendly, so I, I can't imagine them doing anything in free agency to bring in somebody else. So. I think uh, I think Mixon will be here for 2023. I think you know every day that goes by is making that more and more clear. Yeah, and you know I I think fans would have questions certainly. Uh, you know it, why is he? I mean I, I get he's maybe scared for his safety, but walking around a gun you know neighborhood was gun uh, are not good optics. Um, I know that they said in the uh, press conference that he did make a call to. Uh, the Bengals security team, um, but obviously, right. I, I think they, I think the Bengals should do some, you know, answer some questions about this and, and talk about it publicly. Why they were okay with everything uh, that transpired? I don't know if they'll be um, that transparent. Um, you know, they haven't said anything yet about either incident, um, so uh, you know they're going to have to make peace with that. Um, and on top of it, you know, I, I, you're you're at the point where he's going to be trending in the the, the you know wrong direction in terms of his production, I think. Um, you know, he's, he, he seemed a little uh, step slower at times. Um, you know, didn't have very many explosive runs last year. And just, um, you know, he's is, is, is got a lot of wear and tear. Uh, you know, running backs don't really 
get better after 26, 27, you know? So um, they're, they're, the running back situation, I think, can be upgraded. And But I just think that they're going to go in a different route. Obviously, top free agents are off the board. I think it's the draft. Um, but in that second tier of players, um, you know, because, you know, Robinson's sort of in a category of his own. Uh, I do think it would be interesting if they trade up to get him. Uh, I think he'd be pr- pretty good in a Bengals uniform with this offense, but I, I don't think that's what the Bengals tend to do. Yeah, I'm excited when we do our uh, mock drafts, which once we get through free agency, I'm going to have some next week and, of course, every week until the draft like you guys are. And I want to definitely see where the running backs play into that now that things are kind of settled. Um, but with Mixon, yeah, I mean um, – it, obviously, it's an unfortunate situation because, like you said, um, he was receiving documented death threats. Um, but at the same time, you know, yeah, the Bengals will definitely, I'm sure, have to be asked some questions about kind of the way things went, like you said there, Mike. But kind of looking at the rest of uh, free agency, uh, I mentioned that, you know, safety is the big position that the Bengals will be looking at now that they address the tackle spot. Um, and interestingly, uh, per reports from Jeremy Fowler and uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, the Bengals have hosted not one but two former Ram safeties who are free agents. First, it was Nick Scott Thursday morning, and I think tonight or tomorrow it's going to be Taylor Rapp. And Taylor Rapp is a name I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast. So what do you guys think? Uh, do you think one of those two becomes a Bengal? What, what do you think of either of them? Do you think this is a sign that the Bengals will be like, all right, you both play for the same team, we'll take one of you, or who knows? You take both of them and you bring them together to the same team, kind of like you did with Trey Hendrickson and Vaughn Bell, but in all sarcasm. Uh, like, where do you think that's going to head for the Bengals right now? No, I, I mean, I think you, you we, we've kind of mentioned this on, on the podcast that, you know, with Dax Hill, they kind of like where he's at, but you can, they've, they've kind of touted his, his versatility and kind of what position he could play and, you know, kind of how their safety positions are, you know, really, you know, uh, really compatible. You, you don't really need a specific body type or prototype for one. I think they're probably after a certain type of player. Um, you know, I, I think that that's fair to say, but you know, again, you, you need one of them. You need a safety. Uh, you need a safety before you get into the draft. And then, you know, if you get a safety before you go into the draft, I mean, really w- there's not many other positions on this roster that you're kind of seeing as a glaring hole besides tight end. So I, I think if you bring in one of them, uh, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to sign a veteran safety. I'm not sure who it is. Yeah. I mean, they're doing their due diligence. I think um, uh, Lou Anarumo said as much that, that this is what they were going to do. They were going to kind of be patient about it and um, try to try to find the best fit. Uh, like Andrew said, we're not really sure uh, what that will be, what they're looking for, because they've been kind of uh, playing those cards close to the, their chest in terms of, you know, if they're looking for a, more of a box safety or for a, a free safety, and, you know, um, they, they've kind of feel comfortable playing Dax in either spot so I think it's just a matter of time but I mean it could could last I mean these could not be the first you know first and last visits they they host here I think this is more of what we were talking about the other day where they're sort of maybe bargain hunting a bit um, to try to get uh, the right cap fit as well um, because they you know obviously now face some real limitations with those extensions and offering you know a bunch of money to Orlando Brown uh, to, to land him yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of – if there's anything that sucks about that is, yeah, you pay them all that money. Now you probably have to be a little more conservative with where your cap space goes for a future safety or safeties in this case. So uh, we'll definitely kind of keep our eyes on that and our tabs on that for the next couple of days. 
as free agency progresses. But, um, you know, guys, I got to wrap up with really, I think, the most important thing of the day. Because, first of all, it's March. And March Madness officially kicked off on this Thursday. Um, first of all, did you guys even make any brackets? Like, do you have any brackets in the works right now? Or do you guys not do March Madness brackets? Andrew, I was gonna say I was waiting for you because like I uh, so I I do um, I fill out you know I'm in a couple different ones with my friends I fill out like one very serious one where I like you know actually kind of like do my two seconds of research uh, so I do that and then you know great I uh, you know I'll I'll do that like I. But I have kind of a rule for myself. Once March Madness starts, I don't look at them um, because then I can't enjoy, you know, air, I, I forget how far I had Arizona going and Arizona just lost as a two seed to 15 seeded Princeton. So, like, I, I try to I try to enjoy March Madness as much as I can, because, again, anybody that tells you they know what they're doing with March Madness, they're selling you a, a, a basket full of fake goods like it is pretty, pretty clearly just a crapshoot. And, like, I'm, you know, I don't know what games are going on right now. But, I mean, Duke Oral Roberts, I think, is one. How many people in the Arizona, world know? Arizona, what's Oral it Roberts? called? Auburn, Iowa's playing right now. Sure, yeah. No, Nobody knows anything about these teams. So I, I just try to have as much fun with it as I can. And, you know, I fill out my bracket and I kind of check after the first weekend or the second weekend and see how I'm doing. And, uh, but yeah, like, during the games, I'm not sitting there going, oh, my God, I had this team in my bracket. Because again, it's it's just a crapshoot. Uh, I filled out one to do with the kids because they like to fill it out and just look who wins and losses. But uh, none of us have any idea. I did not watch a single minute of college basketball, and I don't plan to. So, <laughs> well, I being from Kentucky, I was indoctrinated into being a college basketball aficionado. So, uh, for the sake of my dual loyalties, I made two brackets. One having Kentucky as a national champion because. Again, I'm indoctrinated. I'm brainwashed. That's fine. I'm not going to take it personal. I did make another one, though, with a lot of interesting predictions. And I actually have Baylor and Texas, two Lone Star State teams playing for the national title. And I have Baylor winning it all because I have faith in uh, their coach and the fact that they won a title two years ago. What's his name again? Is it Drew Scott? Scott Drew? I, I'm probably getting the names mixed up. But I, dude, you're asking the wrong people. I have no earthly idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But again, I, I know who he is. I know the face. But yeah, I mean, they were a one seed last year. I think they'll get the redemption this year. But I did predict the Furman upset. Did you predict that, Andrew, the upset over Virginia? Did you predict it or did you flip a coin and say? No, I predicted it. I genuinely like actually thought that one through because yeah, but, Virginia was. Uh, a... So how much how much money did you win? I didn't win any money. This is this is just for like. Uh, well, I mean, I could win money. I don't know. It depends. I'm I'm in a pool with one of my friends right now, and it's like five dollars a person. So we'll see how far I get. So I mean, that's yeah. See, if you're betting big money, like then then it's impressive. But like, if you're just doing a bracket and it's like for nothing, like. Well, yeah. So that's so that's what I'm. Well, I don't, I don't about. gamble. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna wager on that. I don't gamble. Right, but, but that's what I mean, it, though. So like, an impressive. It's not an impressive pick. Like, if you bet your house on Furman. <laughs> Like I would absolutely give you a congrats and kudos, but you bet nothing. Really? Nothing. So like, okay, good job. Who bets well, their I house know, so on here, a game? So here, here's what I'm. Here's what, that's people. exactly what I'm talking about. Sick though. people. Go ahead. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, first off, Virginia. 
noted chokers in March Madness. So that's not exactly like they're the only they five years ago today they lost as we record this they lost to UMBC. That's true. Uh, they lost to Ohio as a third as a four seed. That's your alma mater. Yeah, they lost to Ohio as a four seed a few years ago. The last time they were in the tournament, they're noted. They do this a lot. And then also, Muhammad, let's do a little trivia question. What do you okay. know about Furman? Where is Furman? It is in Greenville, South Carolina. Name me one player in their starting five. I hate you, Andrew. See, You're exactly. You, off this see, you don't know anything about Furman. <laughs> I just like, looked at what, their like, stats, though. I looked at like their stats and stuff. Oh, I yeah. Like... You you mean the you mean the points per game? You mean the points per game and the points per game that they give up? <laughs> the, the things that oh, ESPN gives you as you look at the little thing. Yeah, well, actually, it was nobody, CB, nobody it was CBS pre- Sports, but yeah, yeah, nobody predicts this crap. You just, you just like, <laughs> hey, everybody does the same thing with their bracket. You fill it out, and then you're like, hey, in my Sweet Sixteen, I have all number one, twos, and three seeds. Maybe I should flip this, and then you're just like, all right, I'll pick this and this and that. Everybody does the same shit. Whoa, man! You you just unleashed on me, Andrew. Dang, where did this come from? Like I this... hate it, dude. It's it's my biggest pet peeve in the world. Okay, the fans I'm, that are sitting there, like the fans you. that are sitting there, like oh yeah, the the people who like like I see it every year on Twitter where everybody's just like, I don't know, man. I think Oral Roberts is really going to give Duke a run. Really, really. Do do you do you know <laughs> anything about Oral Roberts basketball, or did did you hear like? But like again, Jay Billis back, to my, back to my original better point is that I would still tolerate <laughs> the discussion if you bet a hundred grand on it and you still didn't know anything about them. It's still a ballsy move and impressive. Like if you make a claim and you back it up with a, you know a significant portion of cash, otherwise it's just noise. Man. Okay, that that was something. I, I didn't expect all of that, but that was uh, very entertaining. That's why we do this podcast, because I, I like to be entertained, as do the listeners. But uh, stay with us, because uh, tomorrow we're going to see what happens with free agency. Kind of put a bow on this week, give our grades on uh, how things went for the Bengals up to this point and throughout the rest of the week, uh, and much, much more on maybe predicting what the next couple weeks would look like, setting up mock drafts, as we mentioned earlier, and much more. But for myself... Mike and Andrew, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Go crazy and enjoy some March Madness.